The Man of God Network exists to help the church in her mission to identify and equip qualified, faithful men for the gospel ministry and for the recovery of biblical reformation in our day. It's our joy to provide you with resources that both encourage you and edify you as you seek to build Christ's church where you are, to the end that He is better known, loved, and exalted. We appreciate the support of our listeners. To learn more about how you can help us accomplish our mission, visit manofgodnetwork.com. a continuation of a sermon and humble testimony to the goodness and severity of God in his dealing with sinful churches and nations, or the only way to deliver a sinful nation from utter ruin by impending judgments. What evidences do we have at present, or what warnings we have had of approaching judgments? For this also belongs to the indispensable necessity of repentance and reformation upon the approaching troubles, and they are the ordinances of God to that end, which, when they are despised, desolating judgments will be the end of it. And we may to this end observe these things first. Ordinarily, God does not bring wasting, desolating judgments on any people, church, or nation, but that he gives them warning of their approach. I say he does not ordinarily do so, or he may, if he please, surprise a wicked provoking generation of men with the most dreadful destructions, as he did Sodom and Gomorrah of old. And very many daily are so surprised as to their own apprehensions, though, really, God had given them signs of what was coming upon them, but they did not regard them, and so they perished in a moment. But ordinarily, before he executes great and severe judgments, he gives such indications, signs, and warnings of their coming as that men should be forced to take notice of them, unless they are absolutely hardened and blinded. So he dealt with the old world, in the building of the ark, and the ministry of Noah. So he dealt with the church under the Old Testament, in and by the ministry of the prophet, Amos 3, 6-8. And so he has done with all others who have had any knowledge of him, or of his ways. They that are wise may discern these things, Hosea 14, verse 9, Matthew 16, verse 3, Micah 6, verse 9, and Daniel 12, 10. And in all heathen stories of the times that passed over them, we find remarks of strange indications of approaching desolations. And he does it for two reasons. One, for the satisfaction of his goodness and love to mankind in the exercise of patience and forbearance to the utmost. Hosea 6.4 is also for the manifestation of the glory of his justice when he comes to execute the severity of his wrath. When men are surprised with public calamities, they shall not be able to say, Would none tell us of their approach? Would none give us warning of them? Had we been told of the terror of the Lord and his judgments, we would have turned from our iniquities that we might have escaped. In this case, it is usual with God in the scripture to call heaven and earth to witness against men that he did warn them. 
by various means of what would befall them in the end. This is our principal reason why this weak but sincere testimony for God is published. And this shall be an aggravation of their misery in the day of their distress, when they shall seriously reflect upon themselves as to their folly, guilt, and obstinacy, and despising the warnings which they had received, which is a great part of the punishment of the damned in hell. Ezekiel 39, verses 23 and 24. Number 2. God does it for the end under consideration, namely, the day may be a means to call a poor guilty people to that repentance and reformation in which impending judgments may be diverted. Secondly, there are five ways in which God gives warning of the approach of desolating judgments when a land is full of sin. He does it by lesser previous judgments and severities. So was it in the instances in this text. The destruction of some by the sword and the fall of a tower was a warning to the whole nation of the approach of a public calamity unless they repented. As particular instances are given of this in the scripture, so we have a general account of this method of divine providence in Amos 7 verses 1 and 9. First, God sent the judgments of the grasshoppers which eat up all the grass of the land and so occasioned a famine. This judgment, being not improved to repentance, he called to contend by fire, which devoured the great deep and did eat up a part of it, or consume their treasure, devouring a part of their substance. But, when this also was neglected, then came the plumb line of a leveling desolation. He also does it by extraordinary natural operations in the works of nature, such as are comets or blazing stars, fiery meteors, dreadful phantoms or appearances in the air, voices, predictions of uncertain original, mighty winds, earthquakes, stopping the course of rivers and the like, and account of these things as they were to foretell and foresignify the fatal destruction of Jerusalem, is given us by our Savior in Luke 21, 25, and 26. And the story of the event in Josephus is an admirable exposition of this prophecy of our blessed Savior. The frame of nature is, as it were, cast into a trembling disorder upon the approaches of God in his wrath and fury and puts itself forth in extraordinary signs of its astonishment, trembling for the inhabitants of the earth, and calling on them to repent before the wrath of the terrible one seizes upon them. So in the scripture, the seas and rivers, mountains and hills are represented as mourning, shaking, trembling at the presence of God when he comes to execute his judgments. See Habakkuk. 3 verses 6, 8, and 10. He drove us under the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. Their perpetual hills bowed down. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea? The mountains saw you, and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. 
The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The mountains, hills, seas, rivers bowed, trembled, and lifted up their hands as crying for compassion. By these signs and tokens in heaven and earth, does God give warnings of his coming to judge the inhabitants of the earth? God works these strange things in heaven above and the earth beneath, that they should be gazed at only, and made a manner of talk, not that they should be subjects of some men's curiosity and of the scorn of others. There is a voice in them all, a voice of God, and it will be to their herd by whom it is not heard and understood. He does the same constantly also by the light of his word. The general rule of God's ordinary dispensation of providence is fully laid down in the scripture. God has magnified his word above all his name, so as that no works of providence shall be unsuited to the rule of the word, much less contrary to it, or inconsistent with it. And if we were wise to make application of it to present affairs and occasions, we should in most instances know in general what God is doing. Of old it was said, surely the Lord God will do nothing, that is, in the way of judgments. But he reveals his secret to his servants the prophets. Amos 3 verse 7 What they had by immediate revelation, we may have in a measure by the rule of the word in a declaration which God has made therein how he will deal with the sinful, provoking people. So having threatened various sorts of judgments, a prophet adds, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read, Not one of these shall fail. Isaiah 34 verse 16 That this great means of divine warnings may be useful to us, we are to consider one. What are the stable rules given in the scripture concerning sin, repentance, and penitence, and judgments? Such rules abound in it, and no dispensations of providence shall interfere with them. God will not give such a temptation to faith that any of its works should be contradictions to his word. And if we will learn our present condition from these rules, it will be an antidote against carnal security. Number two. Consider the instances recorded of God's dealing with sinful, provoking nations and churches. This God himself directed the people of old, too, when they boasted of their church privileges, sending them to Shiloh, which he had destroyed. And when we find a record in the book of God concerning the severity towards any nation in our circumstances, it is our duty to believe that he will deal so with us also in his time unless we repent. Always bear in mind our infallible guidance as to God's final dealing with impenitent sinners. This, the whole scripture constantly, equally, universally witnesses to, that it shall be eternal destruction, and this will preserve us from distracting surprises when we find things fall out beyond our expectation in a way of severity. Consider those signs, marks and tokens 
of approaching judgments which are set up in the world, which whoso does wisely consider, he will not fail in his prognostication of future events. Among these, abounding in sin with security, in such persons, nations, cities, and churches, as God is pleased by the gospel to take near to himself in a peculiar manner, is the most imminent. For those signs are boys, fixed to show where we shall certainly make shipwreck if we approach to them. When these rules are observed, when they are diligently attended to and complied with, so as that we receive instruction from them, I shall say with some confidence that every believer shall know what God is doing in a way of judgment, so far as is necessary to his guidance in his own duty, in which he shall find acceptance and not provoke God in the neglect of it. God has appointed the ministry of the word to the same end. The principal end of the ministry under the gospel is the dispensation of the word of reconciliation. But neither is yet this work of giving warning of approaching judgments exempted from that office and duty. Christ himself and his ministry preaches here on this subject. They are watchmen and overseers, and their duty in this is graphically expressed in Ezekiel 33 verses 2 to 9. When God places any as a watchman for a people, one part of his duty is to look diligently after the approach of dangers and evils. Such, I mean, has come on the account of sin, and thereon to awaken and stir up the people to take care of themselves that they be not destroyed. The shepherd is not only to provide good pasture for his sheep, but to keep them from danger. The watchman hearkened diligently with much heed, and he cried, A lion! Isaiah 21 verse 7 and 8. Having made a discovery of approaching danger, he cries out to the people to warn them of it. But if the watchmen are slothful and sleepy, if they are dumb dogs and cannot bark, when evil comes, if they are light and treacherous persons, blind guides that have no vision, if they also are under a spirit of slumber and security, so as that the people are not warned by them of their danger, this is one of the most severe tokens of wrath approaching. It is a great warning when God takes away the means of warning. When he says to a people, I will warn you no more, by giving them such watchmen as are neither faithful nor able to warn them, and by taking away those that are. God gives warnings hereof by bringing a people into such a posture, condition, and circumstances as do in their own nature tend to ruin such are cross-interests among themselves, incurable divisions, contrary and unsteady counsels, weakness in spirit and courage, mutual distrusts, effeminacy through luxury, with one or other insuperable entanglement, which are the ways and means in which nations precipitate themselves into a calamitous condition. In general, as to this previous warning of approaching judgments, God threatens to send among a people who are tending towards ruin a moth and a hornet. The moth, he threatens, 
in Isaiah 51 verse 8, Hosea 5:12. Somewhat shall eat up and devour the strength and sinews of the counsels of a nation, as a moth devours a garment. Whilst it lies still, it seems it may be to be sound and firm. Hold it up to the light, and it appears full of holes, and is easily torn with a finger. So is it with a nation, whatever outward peace it seems to enjoy. When it is decayed in the wisdom and strength of its counsels, it is easily torn in pieces, and in like manner he sends a hornet to the same end. Exodus 23, verse 28, Deuteronomy 7, verse 20, that is, that which shall vex, disquiet, and torment them, that they shall be ready every one to strike himself, or the next that he meets with. And many of these hornets are at present among us. These are some of the ways in which God warns a people, church, or nation of approaching judgments. It concerns us now to inquire how it is, how it has been with us with reference to this. And I say, one, it is not necessary that God should use all these ways of warning of a sinful people of approaching desolations if not prevented by repentance. It is enough to the end of this dispensation of divine wisdom and goodness if he make use of some of them or of any one of them in an imminent manner. Therefore, if any of them have been lacking among us, yet, if we have had others of them, it is sufficient to render us inexcusable, if we repent not. But number two, the truth is, we have upon the matter had them all, and they have abounded amongst us. We have had the previous judgments of plague, fire, and war, some may say these were desolating judgments themselves, and so indeed they were. But whereas sin still abounds, and no reformation ensued upon them in any places among any sorts of persons, they were but warnings of what is yet to come, if not prevented. And their language is, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We have had a multiplication of signs in the heaven above and in the earth beneath such as all mankind have ever esteemed forerunners of public calamities. And the more they are despised, the louder is their voice to the same purpose. God has continued hitherto his word amongst us, in which the ordinary rule of his providence in these things is openly declared. And if those whom the declaration of the word of God and the dispensation of it is committed have not faithfully warned the people of their danger, their blood may be found at their door, and this at present lies our greatest strait. The efficacy of all other calls of God to repentance depends much on the application of them to the souls and consciences of men in the preaching of the word. But while by some this work is despised, at least counted unnecessary, by some it is neglected utterly, and others by reason of their private capacities in which they are disenabled to speak to magistrates, cities, or the community of the people, don't think themselves concerned in it, and it is almost wholly laid aside. For what, will some say, 
just as speaking to a few in a retirement signifies to a general reformation of the people of the land. But, whereas we have all sinned in our measures, churches and all sorts of more strict professors of religion, it is everyone's duty to be pressing these warnings of God within his own bounds and precincts. And if each of us should prevail but with one to return effectually to God, it will be accepted with him, who, in such a season, seeks for a man to stand in the gap, to turn away his wrath, and will save a city for the sake of ten if there are found in it. Let us not pretend that the repentance and reformation called for respect to public enormous sins of the nations. In atheism, profaneness, sensuality, luxury, pride, oppression, hatred of the truth, contempt of the ministry of the gospel, and the like. They do so indeed, but not only. They respect also the decays in faith, love, zeal, with love of the world, conformity to it, lukewarmness that are found amongst the most eminent professors of religion. This is our present wound. Here lies our weakness namely in the lack of a quick, active, zealous ministry to call and stir up magistrates and people to effectual repentance and turning to God, unless this is given to us. I fear we cannot be saved. If it be otherwise, if we have a ministry that really does attend to their duty in this manner, I beg their pardon for other apprehensions but then I shall think it the most pregnant sign of approaching destruction, see it is apparent to all that their endeavors have neither fruit nor success. So far we proceeded with our proposition, namely that sin abounds amongst us, that judgments are approaching, that God has given us manifold warnings of their so doing. Part 4. That which in the next place we are to speak to is the equity of this divine constitution, that in any ordinary way of God's rule and dispensation of his providence, repentance and reformation shall turn away impending judgments and procure to a people a blessed deliverance, and nothing else shall do it. Except you repent, you shall perish. That upon repentance they shall be saved and delivered is intended in the same rule. This is the unutterable law of divine providence. This shall do it and nothing else shall do so. The wisdom and power of men shall not do it. Fasting and prayer whilst we continue in our sin shall not do it. Repentance alone has made the condition of deliverance in the state of things. Upon this rule did God vindicate the equity of his ways against repining Israel. Ezekiel 18 verses 29 to 32 Can anything be more just and equal? Ruin and utter desolation are ready to fall upon the whole people. This you have deserved by your iniquities and multiplied provocations. In strict justice they ought immediately to come upon you. But my ways are equal. I will not deal with you in a way of strict justice. I will do it in equity, which is a fit temperature of justice and mercy. And this I made evident to you in this and that whilst the execution of judgment is only threatened and suspended. 
If you make to yourselves a new heart and a new spirit and sincere repentance, if you cast away all your transgressions by thorough reformation of your lives, iniquity shall not be your ruin. What can be more just, righteous, and equal? Who can complain if after all this evil should overtake you, and you shall not escape? The same he pleads again in chapter 33, verses 10 and 11, as in many other places, that this divine constitution, namely that repentance and reformation shall save a church, people, or nation, in a state before described, and that nothing else shall do so. However men may please and pride themselves in their own imaginations, is equal, just, and good, that it is fit it should be so, that it displays the divine excellencies and the rule of righteousness in government, is evident for first. The notion of this rule is inbred in mankind by nature, as was mentioned before. There is no man unless he be atheistically profligate. But when he apprehends that evil and ruin, especially as to his life, is ready to overtake him and seize upon him, but he reflects on his sins and comes to some resolutions of forsaking them for the future, so he may be at present delivered from his deplorable condition. Now all this arises from these indelible notions engrafted on the minds of men, that all evil of punishment is from God, that it is for sin, that there is no way to avoid it but by repentance and reformation. And those who will not improve this natural light with respect to the public will be found as it were, whether they will or not, to comply with it when it comes to be their own case in particular. In this lies a thousand testimonies to the equity of this divine constitution. Secondly, when this rule is complied with, when repentance and reformation ensue upon divine warnings, whereby peace with God is in some measure attained, it will give men trust and confidence in him with expectation of divine relief in their distress, which is the most effectual means for men to be instrumental to their own deliverance. And on the other side, when it is neglected, when evil approaches, guilt and terror will haunt the minds of men, and they shall not be able to entertain one thought of divine help which will render them heartless, helpless, senseless, and betray them into cowardice and pusillanimity, however they may boast at present. If these two sorts are opposed, ten shall chase a hundred, and a hundred put a thousand to flight. And if any nation openly refuses the compliance with this constitution, if God should send another to invade them in a way of judgment, they would melt away before them as wax before the fire, when evils compass us about and are ready to seize upon us. A reflection on the neglect of this rule will disturb our counsels, distract our thought, distress our minds, weaken our confidence in God, and dishearten the stoutest of the sons of men, giving them up to a prey to their enemies. <laughs>